Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, jcim.net where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same top-level menu, there is also a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both a workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, And this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 31, The Simplicity of Salvation, with Section 5, Self-Concept versus Self. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for touching in with our lesson for the day, Lesson 3. 31, there is no conflict, for my will is yours. Okay, and here's uh, one of my favorite things to do. Um, Ask you, Lori, do you have one of your wonderful noetic openings for the call? I do, Lemoyne, and what better place to call to find it, but to Helen Schuckman's book, The Gifts of God, True Understanding of My Will. She wrote a poem called Thy Kingdom Come. There is no answer to the voice of God except His Word. There is no sound except the voice for God that can be heard. For this, His Son has ears to hear God's will and let the ego's voice at last be still. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Love it. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Oh, thank you, guys. Lovely, lovely. One more type for good measure, please. I'd be happy to repeat it uh, because it asked me for an open heart to hear. Thy kingdom come, there is no answer to the voice for God except his word. There is no sound except the voice for God that can be heard. For this, his son has ears to hear God's will and let the ego's voice at last be still. Amen. Thanks for doing that. Amen. Thank you, Laurie. Amen. Well, thank you, Laurie. And uh, see, with us in reading this morning, I have Laurie, Fran, Jennifer, and Jessica 
with us and listening. I have Robin Marie, Harrison, and Judy. And let me ask, is there anyone else who's joined the call who would like to say good morning or join the reading list? Okay, well, I'll go ahead and get us started then in Chapter 31, The Simplicity of Salvation, Section 5, Self-Concept versus Self. The learning of the world is built upon a concept of the self adjusted to the world's reality. It fits it well. For this is an image that, for this an image is that suits a world of shadows and illusions. Here it walks at home, where what it sees is one with it. The building of the concept of the self is what the learning of the world is for. This is its purpose, that you come without a self and make one as you go along. And by the time you reach quote-unquote maturity, you have perfected it to meet the world on equal terms at one with its demands. And Lori. Uh, chapter 31, The Simplicity of Salvation, Section 5, Self-Concept versus Self. The learning of the world is built upon a concept of the self adjusted to the world's reality. It fits it well. But this, an image is that suits a world of shadows and illusions. For this, an image is that suits a world of shadows and illusions. Here it walks at home, where what it sees is one with it. The building of a concept of the self is what the learning of the world is for. This is its purpose, that you come without a self and make one as you go along. And by the time you reach so-called maturity, you have perfected it to meet the world on equal terms at one with its demands. 44. A concept of the self is made by you. It bears no likeness to yourself at all. It is an idol made to take the place of your reality as son of God. The concept of the self the world would teach is not the thing that it appears to be, for it is made to serve two purposes, but one of which the mind can recognize. The first presents the face of innocence, the aspect acted on. It is this face that smiles and charms and even seems to love. It searches for companions, and it looks at time, times with pity on the suffering, and sometimes offers solace. It believes that it is good within an evil world. Thank you, Lori. Ms. Brand. 44. A concept of the self is made by you. It bears no likeness to yourself at all. It is an idol made to take the place of your reality as son of God. The concept of the self the world would teach is not the thing that it appears to be, for it is made to serve two purposes, 
but one of which the mind can recognize. The first presents the face of innocence, the aspect acted on. It is this face that smiles and charms and even seems to love. It searches for companions and it looks at times with pity on the suffering and sometimes offers solace. It believes that it is good within an evil world. 45. This aspect can grow angry, for the world is wicked and unable to provide the love and shelter innocent deserves. And so this face is often wet with tears at the injustices the world accords to those who would be generous and good. This aspect never makes the first attack. But every day, a hundred little things make small assaults upon its innocence, provoking it to irritation and at last to open insult and abuse. Thank you, Brian and Jennifer. This aspect can grow angry, for the world is wicked and unable to provide the love and shelter innocence deserves. And so the space is often wet with tears at the injustices the world accords to those who would be generous and good. This aspect never makes the first attack, but every day a hundred little things make small assaults upon its innocence, provoking it to irritation and at last to open an insult and abuse. The face of innocence, the concept of the self so proudly wears, can tolerate attack in in self-defense. For it is not a well-known fact, the world deals harshly with defenseless innocence. No one who makes a picture of himself omits this face, for he is for he has need of it. The other side, he does not want to see. The other side, he does not want to see. Yet it is here the learning of the world has set its sights. For it is here the world's quote-unquote reality is set to see to it the idle last. Thank you, Jennifer and Jessica. Okay. 46. The face of innocence, the concept of the self so proudly wears, can tolerate attack in self-defense, for it is not a well-known fact the world deals harsh. For is it not a well-known fact the world deals harshly with defenseless innocence? No one who makes a picture of himself omits this face, for he has need of it. The other side he does not want to see, yet it is here the learning of the world has set its sights, for it is here the world's, quote, reality is set to see to it the idle last. 47. Beneath the face of innocence, there is a lesson that the concept of the self was made to teach. 
It is a lesson in a terrible displacement and a fear, so devastating that the face which smiles above it must forever look away, lest it perceive the treachery it hides. The lesson teaches this. I am the thing you made of me. And as you look on me, you stand condemned because of what I am. On this conception of the self, the world smiles with approval, for it guarantees the pathways of the world are safely kept, and those who walk on them will not escape. Thank you, Jennifer. And is there a new reader for 47 and 48? I can do it. Beneath the face. Did someone else want to go? Robin no, Marie? No, me. I think okay. that was me. Go ahead, Judy. All righty, then. Beneath the face of innocence, there is a lesson that the concept of the self was made to teach. It is a lesson in a terrible displacement and a fear so devastating that the face which smiles above it must forever look away, lest it perceive the treachery it hides. The lesson teaches this. Quote, I am the thing you made of me, and as you look on me, you stand condemned because of what I am. Unquote. On this conception of this self, the world smiles with approval, for it guarantees the pathways of the world are safely kept, and those who walk on them will not escape. Here is the central lesson that ensures your brother is condemned eternally. For what you are has now become his sin. For this is no forgiveness possible. Nor does it matter what he does. For your accusing finger points to him unwavering and deadly in its aim. It points to you as well. But this is kept still deeper in the myths below the face of innocence. And in these shrouded vaults are all his sins and yours preserved and kept in darkness where they cannot be perceived as errors which the light would surely show. You can be neither blamed for what you are nor can you change the things it makes you do? And you are each the symbol of your sins to one another, silently and yet with ceaseless urgency, condemning still your brother for the hated thing you are. Oh, this is so powerful. Thank you, Lemoyne. Well, thank you, Judy. <clears throat> and is there another new reader for 48 and 49? 
Another new reader. I'm with it. Okay, Harrison. Here is the central lesson that ensures your brothers condemned eternally for what you are has now become his sin. For this is no forgiveness possible. No longer does it matter what he does, for your accusing finger points to him. Unwavering and deadly in its aim, it points to you as well. But this is kept still deeper in the mist below the face of innocence. And in these shrouded vaults are all his sins and yours preserved and kept in darkness where they cannot be perceived as errors, which the light would surely show. You can be neither blamed for what you are, nor can you change the things it makes you do. And you are each the symbol of your sins to one another, silently, and yet with ceaseless urgency, condemning still your brother for the hated thing you are forty-nine concepts are learned. They are not natural. Apart from learning, they do not exist. They are not given, and they must be made. Not one of them is true and many come from feverish imaginations, hot with hatred and distortions born of fear. What is a concept but a thought to which its maker gives a meaning of his own? Concepts maintain the world but they cannot be used to demonstrate the world is real. So all of them are made within the world, born in its shadows, growing in its ways, and finally, quote-unquote, maturing in its thoughts. They are ideas of idols painted with the brushes of the world, which cannot make a single picture representing truth. Wow. Thank you, Harrison. And one more time, is there another new reader for 49 and 50? Another new reader? Okay, 
Back to you, Lori. 49. Concepts are learned. They are not natural. Apart from learning, they do not exist. They are not given, and they must be made. Not one of them is true, and many come from feverish imaginations, hot with hatred and distortions, born of fear. What is a concept but a thought to which its maker gives meaning of his own? Concepts maintain the world, but they cannot be used to demonstrate the world is real, for all of them are made within the world, born in its shadows, growing in its ways, and finally, quote-unquote, maturing in its thought. They are ideas of idols, painted with the brushes of the world, which cannot make a single picture representing truth. 50. A concept of the self is meaningless, for no one here can see what it is for, and therefore cannot picture what it is. Yet is all learning which the world directs begun and ended with the single aim of teaching you this concept of yourself, that you will choose to follow this world's laws and never seek to go beyond its roads, nor realize the way you see yourself. Now, must the Holy Spirit find a way to help you see this concept of the self must be undone, if any peace of mind is to be given you. Nor can it be unlearned, except by lessons aimed to teach that you are something else. For otherwise, you would be asked to make exchange of what you now believe for total loss of self, and greater terror would arise in you. Thank you, Laurie. And Bran. 50. A concept of the self is meaningless, for no one here can see what it is for, and therefore cannot picture what it is. Yet is all learning which the world directs begun and ended with the single aim of teaching you this concept of yourself, that you will choose to follow this world's laws and never seek to go beyond its roads nor realize the way you see yourself. Now must the Holy Spirit... Now must the Holy Spirit find a way to help you see this concept of the self must be undone if any peace of mind is to be given you. Nor can it be unlearned except by lessons aimed to teach that you are something else. For otherwise, you would be asked to make exchange of what you now believe for total loss of self, and greater terror would arise in you. 51. Thus are the Holy Spirit's lesson plans arranged in easy steps that though there be some lack of ease at times and some distress, there is no shattering of what was learned, but just a retranslation of what seems to be the evidence on its behalf. Let us consider then what proof there is that you are what your brother made of you. For even though you do not yet perceive that this is what you think, you surely learn by now that you behave as if it were. 
does he react for you? And did he know exactly what would happen? Could he see your future and ordain before it came what you should do in every circumstance? He must have made the world as well as you to have such presence in the things to come. Thank you, Fran. And Jennifer. Thus are the Holy Spirit's lesson plans arranged in easy steps that though there be some lack of ease at times and some distress, there is no shattering of what was learned. But just just a retranslation of what seems to be the evidence on its behalf. Let us consider then what proof there is that you are what your brother made of you. For even though you do not yet perceive that this is what you think, you surely learn by now that you behave as if it were. Does he, does he react for you? And did he know exactly what would happen? Could he see your future and ordain before it came what you should do in every circumstance? He must have made the world as well as you to have such for science in the things to come. 52. That you are what your brother made of you seems most unlikely. Even if you did, who gave the face of innocence to you? Is this your contribution? Who is, then, the quote-unquote you who made it? And who is deceived by all your goodness and attacks itself? No. Let us forget the concepts, foolishness, and merely think of this. There are two parts to what you think yourself to be. If one was generated by your brother, who was there to make the other? And from whom must something be kept hidden? If the world be evil... There is still no need to hide what you are made of. Who is there to see? And what but is attacked could need defense? Thank you, Jennifer. And Jessica? You're on mute, Jessica. Oh, oh, talking away on mute. Uh, 
All right. I think Jessica's probably busy with little hands. And uh, um, so let's skip ahead to Judy, 52 and 53. Okay, um, let me look here. Uh, Judy, are you on mute? Can you read 52 and 53, Judy? Oh, back on mute, okay. All right, well, and next is is Harrison. Harrison, could you read 52 and 53? Yes. <clears throat> that you are what your brother made of you seems most unlikely. Even if he did, who gave the face of innocence to you? Is this your contribution? Who is then the program for you who made it? And who is deceived by all the goodness and attacks itself? Let us forget the concept's foolishness and merely think of this. There are two parts to what you think yourself to be. If one was generated by your brother, who is there to make the other? And from whom must something be kept hidden? If the world be evil, there is still no need to hide what you are made of. Who is there to see? And what but is attacked to need defense? 53. Perhaps the reason why this concept must be kept in darkness is that in the light, the one who would not think it true is you. And what would happen to the world? And what would happen to the world you know? if all its underpinnings were removed. Your concept of the world depends upon its concept of itself, and both would grow if either one were ever raised to doubt. The Holy Spirit does not seek to throw you into panics 
So he merely asked if just a little question might be raised. Thank you, Harrison. And uh, is there a new reader or someone who's missed the turn to read 53 and 4? Anyone for 53 and 4? Okay, back to you, Lori. Let's see. Speaking of these two parts of what you think yourself to be, perhaps the reason why this concept must be kept in darkness is that in the light, the one who would not think it true is you. And what would happen to the world you know if all its underpinnings were removed? Your concept of the world depends upon this concept of the self, and both would go if either one were ever raised to doubt. The Holy Spirit does not seek to throw you into panic. So he merely asks if just a little question might be raised. 54. There are alternatives about the thing you th- that you must be. You might, for instance, be the thing you chose to have your brother be. This shifts the concept of the self from what is wholly passive and at least makes way for active choice and some acknowledgement that interaction must have entered in. There is some understanding that you chose for both of you and what he represents has meaning that was given it by you. It also shows some glimmering of sight into perception's law that what you see reflects the state of the perceiver's mind. Yet who was it that did the choosing first? And if you are what you chose your brother be, alternatives were there to choose among. And someone must have first decided on the one to choose and let the others go. Thank you, Lori and Fran. 54. There are alternatives about the thing that you must be. You might, for instance, be the thing you chose to have your brother be. This shifts the concept of the self from what is wholly passive and at least makes way for active choice and some acknowledgement that interaction must have entered in. There is some understanding that you chose for both of you and what he represents has meaning that was given it by you. It also shows some glimmering of sight into perception's law that what you see reflects the state of the perceiver's mind. Yet who was it that did the choosing first? If you are what you chose your brother be, alternatives were there to choose among, and someone must have first decided on the one to choose and let the others go. 55. Although this step has gained, it does not yet approach a basic question. Something must have gone before these concepts of the self, and something must have done the learning which gave rise to them. Nor can this be explained by either view. The main advantage of the shifting to the second from the first is that you somehow entered in the choice by your decision. But this gain is paid in almost equal loss, 
For now you stand accused of guilt for what your brother is. And you must share his guilt because you chose it for him in the image of your own. While only he was treacherous before, now must you be condemned along with him. Thank you, Brad. And Jennifer. 55. Although this step has gains, it does not yet approach a basic question. Something must have gone before these concepts of the self. And something must have done the learning which gave rise to them. Nor can this be explained by either view. The main advantage of the shifting to the second from the first is that you somehow entered in the choice by your decision. But this gain is paid in almost equal loss. For now you stand accused of guilt for what your brother is. And you must share his guilt because you choose it for him in the image of your own. (laughs) While only he was treacherous before, now must you be condemned along with him. 56. The concept of the self has always been the great preoccupation of the world. And everyone believes that he must find the answer to the riddle of himself. Salvation can be seen as nothing more than the escape from concepts. does not concern itself with content of the mind, but with the simple statement that it thinks. <laughs> what you think has choice and can be shown that different thoughts have different consequences. So it can learn that everything it thinks reflects the deep confusion that it feels about how it was made and what it is. And vaguely does the concept of the self appear to answer what it does not know. Thank you, Jennifer. And uh, go Harrison. Fifty-six. The concept of the self has always been a great preoccupation of the world, and everyone believes that he must find the answer to the riddle of himself. Salvation can be seen as nothing more than the escape from concepts. It does not concern itself with content of the mind, but with the simple statement that it thinks. And what can think has choice and can be shown that different thoughts have different consequences. 
So it can learn that everything it thinks reflects the deep confusion that it feels about how it was made and what it is. And vaguely does the concept of itself appear to answer what it does not know. 57. Seek not your capitalist self in symbols. There can be no concept that can stand for what you are. What matters is which concept you accept while you perceive a self which interacts with evil and reacts to wicked things. Your concept of yourself will still remain quite meaningless and you will not perceive that you can interact but with yourself. To see a guilty world is but the sign your learning has been guided by the world. And you behold it as you see yourself. The concept of the self embraces all you look upon and nothing is outside of this perception. If you can be hurt by anything, you see a picture of your secret wishes, nothing more than this. And in your suffering of any kind, you see your own concealed desire to kill. Thank you, Harrison. And uh, is there a new or returning reader to read 57 and 58? Anyone for 57 and 58? I think I see you trying, Judy. Yes, I'm up for it. Okay, go ahead, Robin Murray. (laughs) I'm finally awake, I think. Uh, 57. Seek not your capital self in symbols. There can be no concept that can stand for what you are. What matters it what matters it which concept you accept while you perceive a self which interacts with evil and reacts to wicked things. Your concept of yourself will still remain quite meaningless, and you will not perceive that you can interact but with yourself. To see a guilty world is but the sign your learning has been guided by the world and you behold it as you see yourself. The concept of the self embraces all you look upon, 
and nothing is outside of this perception. If you can be heard by anything, you see a picture of your secret wishes, nothing more than this. And in your suffering of any kind, you see your own concealed desire to kill. 58. You will make many concepts of the self as learning goes along. Each one will show the changes in your own relationships as your perception of yourself is changed. There will be some confusion every time there is a shift, but you... Be you thankful that the learning of the world is loosening its grasp upon your mind. And be sure and and be you sure and happy in the confidence that it will go at last and leave your mind at peace. The role of the accuser will appear in many places and in many forms, and each will seem to be accusing you. Yet have no fear, it will not be undone. Thank you, Robin Murray. And is there anyone for paragraphs 58 through 60? Anyone for 58 through 60? All right, back to you, Lori. I was just going to volunteer because I do so love this. You will make many concepts of the self as learning goes along. Each one will show the changes in your own relationships as your perception of yourself has changed. There will be some confusion every time there is a shift. But be thankful that the learning of the world is loosening its grasp upon your mind. And be you sure and happy in the confidence that it will go at last and leave your mind at peace. The role of the accuser will appear in many places and in many forms. And each will seem to be accusing you. But have no fear, it will not be undone. The world can teach no images of you unless you want to learn them. There will come a time when images have all gone by and you will see you know not what you are. It is to this unsealed and open mind that truth returns unhindered and unbound. Where concepts of the self have been laid by is truth revealed exactly as it is. Whenever concept has been raised to doubt and question and been recognized as made on no assumptions that would stand the light, then is the truth left free to enter in its sanctuary, clean and free of guilt. There is no statement that the world is more afraid to hear than this. I do not know the thing I am and therefore do not know where I am. Excuse me. I do not know the thing I am, and therefore do not know what I am doing, where I am, or how to look upon the world or on myself. 
Yet in this learning, in this learning is salvation born. And what you are will tell you of capital itself. Thank you, Lori. And Fran, would you read the 59 through 61? 59. The world contains no images of you unless you want to learn them. There will come a time when images have all gone by and you will see you know not what you are. It is to this unsealed and open mind that truth returns, unhindered and unbound. Where concepts of the self have been laid by is truth revealed exactly as it is. When every concept has been raised to doubt and question has been recognized as made on no assumptions which would stand the light, then is the truth left free to enter in its sanctuary, clean and free of guilt. There is no statement that the world is more afraid to hear than this. I do not know the thing I am, and therefore do not know what I am doing, where I am, or how to look upon the world or on myself. Yet in this learning is salvation born, and what you are will tell you of itself. Thank you, friend. And, uh, yeah, let's just go one more time here. Uh, Jennifer, would you read 59 through 61? Okay. 59. The world can teach no images of you unless you want to learn them. There will come a time when images have all gone by and you will see you know not what you are. It is to this unsealed and open mind that truth returns unhindered and unabound. Where concepts of the self have been laid by its truth revealed exactly as it is. When every concept has been raised to doubt and question and been recognized as made on no assumptions which would stand the light, then is the truth left free to enter in its sanctuary, clean and free of guilt. There is no statement that the world is more afraid to hear than this. 60. I do not know the thing I am and therefore do not know what I am doing, where I am, or how to look upon the world or on myself. Yet in this learning is salvation born, and what you are will tell you of capital I itself. Thank you, Jennifer. And uh, 
Yeah, we're well past the top of the hour, so I ask you to give your attention to Fran as she leads us in today's lesson. Over to you, Fran. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We're in the second part of the workbook. The theme we're on is What is the Ego? And today's lesson, lesson 331, there is no conflict, for my will is yours. Tasha will read some from What is the Ego, and then we'll go over to our lesson and do our five-minute meditation. What is the Ego? The Ego is idolatry, the sign of limited and separated self, born in a body, doomed to suffer and to end its life in death. It is the will that sees the will of God as enemy and takes a form in which it is denied. The ego is the quote-unquote proof that strength is weak and love is fearful. Life is really death and what opposes God alone is true. The ego is insane. In fear, it stands beyond the everywhere apart from all in separation from the infinite. In its insanity, it thinks it has become a victor over God himself. And in its terrible autonomy, it quote-unquote sees the will of God has been destroyed. It dreams of punishment and trembles at the figures in its dreams, its enemies who seek to murder it before it can ensure its safety by attacking them. The Son of God is egoless. We'll go over to our lesson. Lesson 331. There is no conflict, for my will is yours. How foolish, Father, to believe your son could cause himself to suffer. Could he make a plan for his damnation and be left without a certain way to his release? You love me, Father. You could never leave me desolate to die within a world of pain and cruelty. How could I think that love has left itself? There is no will except the will of love. Fear is a dream and has no will that can conflict with yours. Conflict is sleep and peace awakening. Death is illusion, life, eternal truth. There is no opposition to your will. There is no conflict, for my will is yours. Forgiveness shows us that God's will is one and that we share it. Let us look upon the holy sights forgiveness shows today that we may find the peace of God. Amen. Lesson 331 There is no conflict, for my will is yours. Five minutes.
Lesson 331. There is no conflict, for my will is yours. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, guys. Oh, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And I um, love this reading. I, I especially love it when it gets to the part um, let's see, it's in paragraph 56. Let's turn to the page 56. The concept of the self has always been the great preoccupation of the world. Um, and I, I bet if, if we were to take an inventory of how many um, self-help books we each own and catalog them, we'd probably be pretty surprised at the number. <laughs> I know that was my um, that was my legacy before I came to understand what Holy Spirit wanted me to see. Um, salvation can be seen as nothing more than the escape from concepts. It does not concern itself with content of the mind, but with the simple statement that it thinks and what can think has choice and can be shown, that's the part I love, and can be shown that different thoughts have different consequence. Different thoughts have different consequence. So it can learn that everything it thinks reflects the deep confusion that it feels about how it was made and what it is. And frankly, does the concept of the self appear to answer what it does not know? Well, of course, that's the paragraph I would love the most. Um, and that's why I bought all those self-help books, like I'm sure many of us have and did, before we understood that we have choice. The other paragraph I really love in this reading is, and so the Holy Spirit must teach you. And that paragraph, and so the Holy Spirit must teach you. I have 
so many notes I can't tell where where my uh, highlights should be. There it is, 51. The Holy Spirit's gentle lessons must be designed to retranslate the evidence of what it seems to be, what seems to be the evidence for my self-concept. He has to retranslate that for me. And he has to do it in a way that doesn't leave me devoid or empty of what or where I think I am. One, one time I was trying to talk about this section with someone and the um, I love images so the image that popped into my mind was the image of being in an ocean of love hanging on to a pool noodle you know and, and I thought it was really apt because the Holy Spirit has to show me that my pool noodle or my self-concept the thing I think that holds me up that controls the universe that keeps me safe that navigates this world tells me what to do and what everything is this pool noodle is nothing but here I am grasping it tightly thinking if I let it go I will surely die if I let it go I will surely die because it represents my safety this thing that cannot think but thinks thoughts that it has learned by judgment of itself and the world uh, is what I think keeps me safe in this ocean of love and when I let it go when when I eventually learn that I do not know the thing I am or what I'm doing or where I'm going or how to look upon the world or myself when I finally get to that point what I am will tell me of itself this ocean of love will reveal itself to me remember the other day we read the whole is in the part and the parts no, the part is in the whole and the whole is in every part remember that that's the nature of a real relationship to our Creator close to God but I believed I was hostage to the ego that without it I would die and so I'm so grateful for the Course in Miracles and all its gentle lessons um, that teach me I'm not the thing I was that give me evidence that show me that different thoughts have different consequences and what is the workbook but the Holy Spirit's thoughts he gives me his thoughts to think and when I do it's my discovery that thoughts have different consequences different thoughts have different consequences so when I feel adrift I don't know where I'm going what I'm doing how to look upon myself upon the world and I really feel like I don't know what's going on sometimes I'll sit with the table of contents of the lessons and just read them to myself and as I read them I'll remember oh yeah that thought had different consequences this thought had different consequences and over and over and over again I recall I recall the lessons the gentle lessons the Holy Spirit gave me to replace the ones I taught myself out of fear and self-loathing and self-condemnation 
And that's not a mistake. That's not a mistake. That's part of the design. You know, tend to think, oh my God, you know, I could have looked at it this way or done it this way. Oh my God, you know, that's not a mistake. That's a gentle learning opportunity. You know, and, and in my experience, the opportunities where I really learn um, come in stark contrast. The, the presentation of stark contrast to my mind. That's what Holy Spirit is wanting for me, to find those moments of stark contrast because those are the teaching opportunities. I thought it was this. Oh, but I could see it differently. Remember how he said early in the work, the Holy Spirit teaches by contrast because we see a world of contrast born of the contrasting thoughts we think about ourselves. Another thing I wanted to talk about is, um, you remember, it was early in the work, but he talked about consciousness was the first split that man introduced into his own mind. Before that, mind was whole. But consciousness was the first split that I introduced into my own mind. And in the way the mind is now split, split by that first division of consciousness, um, the split mind has levels in it. It has a subconscious level. That's the level he's talking about in, this, in the first part of this reading. The part I'm afraid to look upon. A lesson in terrible displacement and fear, he calls it, in paragraph um, 50, 46, I think. Yeah. Beneath the face of innocence, there is this buried side of terrible displacement and fear that I don't want to look about, look on. Subconscious material, everything I was ever afraid of reacted badly to um, or felt like was a threat to me or that I hated and wanted to reject all that material stuck in my subconscious Below that are my miracle level, are my miracle impulses, and above this consciousness split, the part of my mind that acts—that's all it is. Consciousness split is the part that acts. Above that is my is my superconscious mind, where all my uh, where where the Holy Spirit dwells, where all my truth is, all my knowledge saved for me, that I might do my will. All that is there in my superconscious, but because I have this split in my mind, where did this come from? Well, I have this split in my mind that's the face of innocence, and then I have the terrible displacement and everything I'm afraid of. And the problem with a split mind, he says, is everywhere I look, I will see evidence of my own split mind. That's that impulse to condemn that he calls the role of the accuser. The role of the accuser. I've condemned myself for all these things in my subconscious, and it's asking me the question. And man alive, that question is really awesome. I've got to find it and read it. There it is right there in paragraph 47. This subconscious is saying, I am what you made of me. You stand condemned because of what I am. 
I am what you made of me, and you stand condemned of what because of what I am. My own subconscious is saying that to me. No wonder the ego hates me. The subconscious material is saying, I am what you made of me. I am what you made of me. And you must be condemned because of what I am. And because I'm unaware of that voice in my own self, I project it out. And now I'm saying it to the world. Now I say that very thing that I'm unaware I'm saying it to myself I'm saying it to the world I am what you made of me and you stand condemned because of what I am so he wants me to understand that when my mind is healed and what is the healing of my mind but the atonement the at one the healing of my mind the healing of the level splits in my mind so now I'm not so, um, I'm not being run by this subconscious thing that says you stand condemned because of what I am. I'm not projecting that on the world. My mind is healed and I can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit telling me that I am healed and whole and innocent. And when I accept atonement for myself, I have no subconscious material no condemnation left in me to project upon the world I no longer embrace this victim identity that says I am what you made of me and you stand condemned because of what I am that's a victim identity I release those ideas by accepting the atonement for myself and every lesson in this workbook is cured is, is a divine technology with a purpose of reintroducing me to who I am by healing this level split in my mind and it turns out over and over and over again come opportunities contrast I could see it this way I could see peace instead of this oh and whatever lesson comes to mind you know in all things or lessons God would have me learn forgive and you will see this differently forgive and you will see this differently and what is forgiveness my friends what is forgiveness but to withdraw the voice of the accuser to no longer listen to that voice of the accuser it's my own voice you stand condemned because of what you made of me when I no longer listen to that voice Holy Spirit will lead me to see in a different way he says you can hear two voices and you can see in two different ways in each case you look within before you look without that's why the atonement the healing of my mind is God's greatest gift to me the one defense that can never be used to hurt can only be used to heal and when I'm frightened by anything all I need to do is remember who I am what's the truth of this and instantly 
I mean to say instantly, Holy Spirit will respond to my open mind. In contrast to that, the ego, ego doesn't question anything. It constantly says, it constantly says, I am what you made of me and you stand condemned because of what I am. There's no question about anything in that voice, in that way of seeing. But if I can make just a little room, just a little willingness, just a tiny opening, just one reach for one idea, one thought of what I've studied in this in this workbook, I'll find escape. And it's never escape from anything in the world. It's always escape from something that I've made up in my own mind. You look in before you look out and you see the witnesses to what you saw within. See? And um, and this is how I wake up from this from this terrible dream of condemnation. And then don't you just love how he says in fifty fifty eight you will make many concepts of the self as your learning goes along. That's not a mistake either. That's that's progressive correction. And every time I shift in awareness of the truth of what I am, there's a consequent shift in what the world appears to be and a major consequent shift in the quality and caliber and character of my relationships. Now, if you've never read Ken Wilburn, um, He's really, really excellent at defining some of these shifts. And and his definitions embrace so much of the perennial philosophy, so much of um, Hindu thought and thought of the great world religions, you know. Each each uh, shift in awareness of the truth of me results in a shift in the quality and caliber and character of my relationships toward love. You know, the whole um, the whole study of transpersonal psychology is a study of what's possible to realize with the capital R about truth. Finally, I think it's probably really reasonable and and uh, worthy of comment that perception is always an interpretation. And the Holy Spirit would lead me to knowledge, the memory of God and, and knowledge of truth. I can perceive or I can know. And in one way, um, I'm making a pretty good guess based on a lot of conditioning. Sometimes it's not a good guess and it's always judgment. In the other case, when I release judgment, release that burden, that terrible, terrible burden of expecting myself to know something, when I release that burden, I'm progressively led toward truth. By releasing these concepts I held of myself. So the Course in Miracles isn't 
and I thought for the longest time it was a course in learning. It's a course in unlearning everything I taught myself. I was very badly taught, all on the basis of condemnation and fear. And eventually, um, through these progressive shifts in realization of the truth of me, I understand um, that the kingdom of heaven is me. What else did the Father create? Um, what a glorious, glorious road we walk. Um, when I release the accuser in my mind, I'm complete. That was beautiful. Thank you so much, Lori. That was great. As usual. I love it. <laughs> Indeed, Brian. I agree. Thank you, Lori. Now I'm thinking Holy Spirit today. <laughs> Thank you, too, Lori. Hi, this is Ida, my loving family. Um... I really wasn't able to get on this call until now. There's just too much going on. We had a new staff here today and that kind of thing. But um, I love the, the um, excuse me, I had breakfast. <laughs> I love the lesson for today that I heard and read on the other call. There is no conflict for our will is one. I, I want that to be the case. You know, I guess I get negative because I remember much more times where it's not the case than when it is with me, where I'm in conflict with people because of my ego reaction to, you know, feeling reaction to what they say and do and don't say and don't do. But um, I really want that to be the case that my will, that I feel that, experience that. You know, this book is not a book of words, just words, you know. He says in there, it's a book of, you know, experience. And I want that. So thank you. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Ida. And I hope you enjoy the new staff today. Oh, thank you. Oh, she's a nice lady. I have to embody that principle today of the lesson 
by not getting desperate when it seems like when I know that I don't have a boyfriend or a husband and there's no one on the horizon that seems like that, you know, like that I contacted on the dating app that that's going to be the case with because they didn't contact me back and the one that contacted me back, I'm not really interested in like that, you know. So not be desperate because being desperate, God's never desperate. God is love and knows that everybody is complete all the time, for real, with love. And, yeah, I mean, it's great to have a loving partner, but no one actually needs a loving partner um, to complete them because we're all already complete. You know, thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Hi, Ida, thank you. It's Jude. Hi, guys. Um, there's a lot in this this particular section of the text, and um, I think it's pretty much a slam dunk for the ego. I don't know that the um, this concept of self versus, you know, what is the ego, you know, is any different um, at all whatsoever versus the truth of who and what we are as God created us. Um, but it certainly is huge in in its um in my physical experience of, of of you know, a supernatural being, a holy being, spiritual being, coming into being into form, forgetting who I was and then trying to let the world tell me, teach me who I am. And I love the um, the word adjustment, that we make adjustments to the world in order to fit in. And, um, you know, or not, <laughs> you know, I mean, I was thinking that when we were reading that, this, this um, you know, who are all of those that don't fit in? And who are those that do fit in? And how we have this hierarchy of illusions, of concepts of ego-self that are more meaningful to us in the roles and the scripts that we write in our lives. And the images, that we use the image, the body image, as a sense of separate self and validate all the world that, in all the world. You know, and I was thinking when we were reading this, how, you know, I fit in pretty well. I went to school and I became a nurse and, you know, I, I polished up my act as much as I could and, and got really healthy and strong and became a good athlete and, you know, did service work and um, environmental work and, you know, thought I was smart and attractive and compelling and intelligent. And, you know, all these things, ways that we compare ourselves to each other. And, you know, how the um, knowledge doesn't compare itself to anything because it's oneself and it loves everything equally. And there's nothing to compare because there simply are no differences or distinctions within it. It's in its wholeness and its completion, it's one. And, you know, looking at this idea of conflict, there is no conflict. For my will is yours, God. And I've, I've learned through, thank you, Lori, for your, your wonderful insights and your share. You're such a good teacher, helper to me. 
but the um, idea of learning through the lessons and going slowly through the text and learning to, to look at who Judy is without fear and what I would make, what I made of myself, what I quote-unquote made of myself, quote-unquote what the world made, un- made of me, and um, understanding how invested I was in, in valuing that and the roles ascribed by the world to me and by my script and roles that I applied to the world, to myself and the world, and how all that house came tumbling down. It came tumbling down, and um, it came tumbling down before I got to the course because of, um, of um, my addictions. But um, my drug and alcohol addictions made me see the falsity in, in my self-reliance and my self-dependence on who I thought I was and how temporaneous they were and how shifting and changing they were. And when I looked in inside to do my inventory to see who I was in truth, I couldn't find that Judy self there anywhere. But I certainly could find a, a really strong sense of light and trueness and authenticity about me, a, a sense of what we used to call a sense of being comfortable and at ease with myself. Inside my own skin, you know, inside my own clothes, and all of a sudden my my body suit and my clothes didn't matter so much. I wasn't so concerned about what other people thought of me because I knew who I was. I wasn't perceiving myself through Jude's perception of herself, nor the world's perception of herself. And I love the way you brought that out, Lori, the difference between perceiving myself as an image and something that I think I am, that I can imagine I am, and um, vice versa with the world. Um, the central lesson, I, you know, and I just can't stress this strongly enough to myself because I still slip into the old ego habit of judging uh, in 48 words it's the central lesson that ensures your brother brothers and sisters condemned eternally <clears throat> for what I am has now become his sin that I don't hate others I don't point fingers I don't blame anyone I don't accuse anyone including myself for what I hate because I am not something to be hated. I'm not something that I can be, even be perceived. This is a dream role, this meat suit I put on, clothes, house, car, body. It's just a role in the dream, on the dream stage. And um, it's part of the whole picture. And the picture, the picture is not in, in the frame of the body or or the clothes or the house or the car, and we all know all that stuff. But um, to live it, beingly, I've really um, come to understand that this idea of a Judy image, a Judy concept, is something that is really um, a matter of my own imagination. And it can be changed. It, It comes and it goes. It could be totally annihilated, blown out of the water. You know, my body, you know, my jobs, 
my relationships, anything, anything and everything about Judy personally can change. But what does never change about me is who I am as God created me. And, um, you know, that the, the central lesson is that, um, you know, that we cannot die, that anything that changes and, and can die, that has a beginning and an end, a birth and a death, is not who I am because I'm an immortal, changeless, spiritual mind, one mind. Um, you know, and, 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 and that whole idea of being two-faced, the two-faced, <laughs> I just, I love this. I laughed out loud when I, when I first read it because I so understood it, how I could be so two-faced as to be so dishonest and to call somebody something that I know I am myself and gloat over it just because I can point it out and say, look at you. And, you know, this whole blame, shame, guilt game that the ego plays has to be seen for what it is. It's a whole lot of meaningless nothing making ourselves into something we're not. We're not even capable of doing it. And God just Christ asks us to wake up, wake up and say, you can't hurt yourself, you can't hurt anybody else, and nobody can hurt you. You can't touch this perfect thing that you are. You can make all the mistakes and think you're as wrong as, as hell, but hell's just an idea. Hell's just a concept. And, we, and God certainly didn't think it up. <laughs> Who but the ego would think up a concept like hell? Who but the ego would think up a concept like hell? So, and misery and suffering, and the only lack I have is, the only need I have, the only want I can have is recognizing that I, if I feel any lack, if I feel any need, if I feel any want, it's because I've forgotten who I am, that I am everything. I am absolutely everything. What could I possibly need or want or lack? Only I can deprive myself of my peace and my joy and my happiness. We're getting to the end of the book, and this is the time to accept and acknowledge the truth of who we are and let all this nonsensical madness and sanity of the ego thinking thought system go. Simply not true. It doesn't exist. It's a dream. It's an illusion. It's the cause of all our misery and suffering. So have a joyful day and and um, be still. And don't forget who we are, who I am, those holy words. We all share. I am. I'm complete. Oh, that was so nice. Thank you so much. Loved it. Thank you. Good stuff, Judy, and thanks for um, sharing your trajectory out of insanity. Appreciate that. <laughs> that was a good word for it, Lori. <laughs> oh, to some it comes Most slowly. <laughs> to others it comes quickly, and but um, 
it's it's a new way of being and it's it's completely opposite to what we're accustomed to and i think it says that somewhere in the text it's like we have this fear of losing this personal self-concept of self-image of ourselves and we're afraid to let it go it's all we think we know and there's going to be a big fat zero there and when i've had that huge glimpses of who i was in truth and forgot my name forgot who judy was for days for weeks it took to come back into the personality it was it was it was very confusing it was very frightening i thought where did judy go and i i would i kept like grasping for her outside of myself but she was nowhere to be found and i had to settle down into peace and trust because i had learned enough about the truth of who i want was that i knew i needed just to trust and that being simply being was okay not knowing who i was because i couldn't know that capital that that being being one with with in relationship to everything in peace be quiet be still look and listen that's all i could do for weeks i didn't even talk i just looked and i listened and that's pretty much what capital self does the christ in me does it's still it's an innocent bystander it looks it listens <laughs> it doesn't make any comments <laughs> it doesn't doubt who it is it doesn't question who it is and it doesn't question or doubt what anything else is because it knows and being that i mean it's it's tough when you're a talkative dude i am complete thanks judy I found a, um, a poem, uh, you guys. Uh, it's a three-line Rumi poem, just three lines. <clears throat> but these three lines summarize this reading so perfectly and, uh, and hold out so much. Uh, if I can inquire deeply into them, I just, I just have to share it. <clears throat> I hope you'll indulge me, but it goes like this. If it is bread that you seek, you will have bread. If it is soul you seek, you will find the soul. If you understand this secret, you know you are that which you see. Say it again. If it's bread that you seek, you will have bread. If it is soul you seek, you will find the soul. If you understand the secret, you know, know, not see, you know, you are that which you see. Little poem, 
big, big, big content. I'm complete. Wow, thank you for sharing. Jennifer, good morning. I think we're we're at the top of the hour. I'll just I'm gonna wait to share until after the call. Thank you. Lori, what was the last line again, please? If it is bread that you seek, you will find it. If it is that, if it is soul that you seek, you will you will find the soul. And if you understand the secret. You know you are that which you see. Thank you. You are embedded in that. (laughs) Yes. Embedded in that little poem, you know. We've all heard, you are that which you seek, S-E-E-K. But it's it's even um, larger to realize that everything you see uh, is part of you, you know. You are that which you see. And and the disillusion of the... um, the idea that the body separates me from anything um, is a complete disillusion um, of the idea that there is uh, anything separate from self, you see? You are that which you see. Everywhere you see, you see the kingdom of heaven, which is part of you. After I finished my meditation this morning, the Holy Spirit asked me to look at it. You know, we all know uh, that creation is you project what you think you are. To create is to project what you think you are. Uh, we all know that God's law of love is what I give my brother is my gift to me. The Holy Spirit asked me to look at this morning, what is the law of creation? And I thought, oh man, that's a new thought. I, I don't know the answer to that, so I better look it, look it up. There is a law of creation. And it's phenomenal. The law of creation, it's in chapter it's in par, uh, ch- uh, chapter 9, paragraph 64. The law of creation is you love your creations as yourself because they are a part of you. And, and what we're being led to is such a totality of vision that everything I see uh, not only is part of me, not only belongs to me, but is included in me, and I love it as part of myself. That's God's law of creation. And when all these boundaries and disillusions and gaps between what I am and the truth of what I am dissolve, it's there for me to understand the secret. You know that you are that which you see. 
where is the division between self and the world now you know um, so that I come to understand just like he says and what am I I am God's son shining in the reflection of his love you know um, this is quite it's quite a phenomenal dissolution of gaps and boundaries uh, that these lessons hold out to us this unlearning holds out so God, I just love that little Rumi poem it's a, such a total expression of what we're reading today and an expression of this lesson you know God's law of creation is that you love your creations as yourself and that's the secret behind today's lesson there is no will but God there's no conflict because my will is yours it is my will to love creation because it's part of myself and belongs to me I'm complete Excuse me, am I muted? I'm sorry. Nope. Wait. Oh, gee, Lemoyne fell off the call, you guys. Oh, I don't know what happened. I'm having trouble with my mutes. Um, thank you for that, Lori. And, you know, I just want to continue in that paragraph. Um, it says, any part of your mind that does not know this, that the law of creation is that you love your creations as yourself because they are a part of you everything that was created is therefore perfectly safe because the laws of God protected by his love any part of your mind that does not know this has banished itself from knowledge because it has not met its conditions you know and it this this word conditions has always fascinated me when studying the course because you know it's like in order to get to the truth I I felt I had to unlearn certain things and I had to learn um, or re-remember um, stuff that I already knew that I had forgotten so conditions like condition the condition of knowledge is peace because or the condition for knowledge is peace for the condition of knowledge is peace. It's like one and the same thing. So I can't know what it is unless I'm already being it. You know, it's like the lesson says, there is no conflict in me because my will is one with God's. And I understand what that says when it says that because I understand the meaning of the kingdom of God is peace. It's peace itself. It's condition for it. And because it's a condition in it and of it. It's all the same thing. <laughs> but when when we when we separate ourselves from these conditions and I think this is what's so um elementary and simple about knowing the truth of who we are um, is that the ego wants to make it so complex and seem so difficult when it's easy just to be relaxed and comfortable 
and trust God, trust love, and know that everything is already okay and perfect. You know, and 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 to settle the mind down and in that stillness, in that peace, because then the capital truth reveals itself to me. And this is what it comes to in the end of the text and the end of the lessons. Who are we? We are Christ consciousness. We are stillness. Be still and know I am. Who is everybody? Who is everything? I am. The one whole and completeness. I amness itself. And it doesn't have separate parts. It doesn't have separate separate souls or separate minds. It's one mind. And that's shared, that it is shared. And the simplicity of that, that it's shared with everything equally evenly. So I can look and listen, at, look at anything and listen to anything and know that's nice, my my light, my sound. I'm an. It's an, a reflection of me, of my capital self. And if I'm quiet, and I don't oppose it, I'm not in conflict with it. If I don't want it to be different, reject it, or change it, that's separating myself from it. I will. I will not be in conflict with my capital self today. I won't be in conflict with anything today. And the totality of that, that's to understand totality, I have to understand totally, totally, completely, everything. In it, nothing's excluded. And that's what makes it simple. The application is universal. So I don't like it. You know, I've got conflict in me. It's in me. And nobody else. I have to recognize where the conflict is. I'm not allowing God's one creation. I will not criticize, complain, judge, contend, accuse any part of God's creation today, including myself. <laughs> I can't be blamed for what I do. I know not what I do. I should. I just feel like laughing. I've talked enough too much. And I'll say I'm complete and very grateful we're all here together. Amen. Thanks, Judy. that it's one, it's one, and there is no other. Nothing or nobody is other than. There is no other. I'm complete. Thanks again. Everything working okay, Lemoyne?
Yeah, for, for a real reason, I think that made me laugh. I'm still, I'm still laughing. Everything working okay? Depending on what you mean by working and okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is the way it seems to call for concepts. Um, the world, the body. <laughs> The bones. Um, yeah, that's I, I like where you ended up there, Judy. That is what I had thought to talk about. And I don't want to <laughs> try and get into uh, too much philosophy, especially one that I'm <laughs> interested in but haven't really studied. But there is a... There's a philosophy called Lacanian philosophy, and it's it revolves around concepts of self and other, and and then this idea of big other, which might be the world or God, and uh, you can just see the separation kind of baked into it, and this thing of trying to understand ourselves through through any concept that divides into self and other it just it's <laughs> it's not going to lead us directly to ourselves i mean it may it may be useful in the sense of demonstrating what there is to unlearn. But, you know, really, really, <laughs> the reality is has to be something separate than all our concepts of it. And, you know, this search for our one true self is the same as the search for the one true God. Um, not that they're exactly the same, because I think to believe that they're exactly the same is the version of the authority problem. That that uh yeah for me it's it's that uh you know we have a choice decisions are continuous we have a choice to view ourselves as part of everything or separate and therefore potentially an effect of you know, what would appear to be chance or accident or other wills. And you know, who we truly are must be beyond all <laughs> confusion or conflict about what we are. 
and and so all the attempts of the world to uh, categorize and fit things into concepts <clears throat> it must be in error but again this is not a cause for judgment or fear it's just a cause to raise it to question and and honest question in the sense of you know how can how is it all really reconciled and i think you know for all of our struggling and to attempt to fit everything into a mechanized concept of the world so that it can be perfectly predicted and get our safety out of what appears to be just a a hurly-burly is got to be misfounded, right? The concepts based in separation and inevitably entailing conflict cannot really explain reality. Um, That reality as a continuous thing just call it constant creation um, must be beyond all concepts and this is why this entry into knowing has to begin with this I do not know the thing I am and therefore do not know what I've been doing where I am or how to look upon the world or on myself This is the unsealing and opening of the mind that allows truth to return. And, you know, the being part is is actually free and it is all of our concepts that, You know, lie behind the the laws of the world, which appear to have us bound, and it is it is in the relinquishment of all the knowledge that's built up of little parts that allows the reality of unity behind it all to begin to appear, and that's you know, what I want to say in this section. And uh, and I'm complete. Thanks, Lloyd. That was excellent. Thank you. Really good. Thank you. You know, um, getting back to that law of creation and and the, you know, the will of God, I mean being the only will there is, and reality is as God created it, we're talking, you know, principles that that atonement is the 
it's the principle that that um, was God's plan for to save us from this this misperceiving ourselves as something we're not. That um, you know to get rid of the whole judging, naming and shaming and blaming and game guilt game um, was necessary. It's like we had to be willing, the willingness and the and the want and the desire to learn what reality, capital reality is, what defines it, what its conditions are, and to want it. I mean, the Course speaks to this. I have to want it. I have to desire it, or I'm not going to ever get it. I will not be become the light and know the truth of who I am if I hold grievances, if I hold resentments, if I criticize, I complain. I'm just, I'll never get it. So I might as well just go buy a lotto ticket and hope I win a million dollars because <laughs> I'm not going to recognize and know the truth of who I am. It's like either you really want it or you don't. And I, only I can zoom myself, you know. It's about, all about the honesty, you know. Do, do I want to continue to criticize and complain and get angry? Um, because reality won't dawn dawn on my mind unless it's clear. It's absolutely clear, unclouded. And um, the truth will reveal itself to me. I don't get it. I don't grasp it. I don't find it. I've never lost it. How could I go find it somewhere? It's in me, but I've got it veiled and covered over with a whole lot of thinking going on. So that's, you know, the... That illusions that this is an illusion of who we think we are is is just a part of the letting go of what's not important. So, and and refocusing our attention on what's true and really important, really meaningful. Not that this doesn't have meaning; it all has meaning according to to the meaning that we love it, and it says that too in the text. The only importance anything in the world, including my body, has is if I love it. And if I don't, I'll trash it. And that's pretty obvious. I've seen people do it to themselves and to others. Um, just love coming to the end of the book. It's just so powerful. And um, looking forward to going into the Manual for Teachers and taking taking account of the laws, the conditions of, of knowing the truth of who who I am in truth is, you know, the the laws of love, God's lo- laws, how He created me to be are inherent in those characteristics. <laughs> if I'm a little shy or a little short on them, <laughs> then who is? depriving me except myself who's denying me except myself I don't know I'm, I'm talkative this morning I'll be still nice thank you thanks cheers well thank you Judy
Well, um, yeah, we're well past the top of the hour. A long reading. I think uh, I think just to add a little bit to to what you said, Judy, and and to close to close this, I want to look at fifty nine, where it says the world can teach no images of you unless you want to learn them, and uh, you know, I, I think one thing that you know, I'm, it's not in the course, but I, I guess it's probably in some of the additional material. This idea that there cannot be a universal theology, that there is a universal experience, and that this is what the course is trying to get us to. So, you know, the the real apprehension of who we are must be an experience of who we are. It cannot be separated through a concept and pretending that we can actually look at ourselves objectively or separately somehow. Because <laughs> then, you know, who it is that knows would be that separate thing and that's, that's <laughs> this is a, a mental construct and not a not an actual experience of who we are. And, you know, the sticky part of the world is that it has got us wanting to learn how to get by in a context, a frame, that has conflict and separation built into it. And so it all comes from that frame the images of what we must be in a world that is, uh, you know, our projection of our fear of being separate and alone. In a, in a, just to put, you know, one inroad that it follows in there. And that, you know, this is, I think, why he talks at some length about frame and the picture, you know, the actual picture of what is real in the sense that it's universal and eternal is not found through um, effect, through pretending that effects determine cause, and that, you know, we can be built up out of part, that knowledge is built apart. The knowledge that of who we are must be a direct experience, and you know understanding will follow that that first comes knowledge of what is real and then actual true understanding of what the heck is going on here <laughs> and uh I just again, I'd thank you, Lori, for your repeated emphasis on this doorway to understanding, you know, in 
in my thoughts and my concepts about who I am, I cannot know the thing I am. So, I, and, uh, you know, the recognition that all, a lot of that is built on and in response to a world that appears fearful is the potentially the the way to let the whole house of cards fall and actually get that I as long as I'm thinking of it this then that therefore I must be this is not the way to know who I am or what life is and so the actual doorway is more like I do not know having coming from a uh, a world of separate parts that that view of life cannot provide the the uh, universal and eternal knowledge that is what is missing here. Anyway, there. So good. That was great. Yeah. So up. Thanks, Lemoyne. Such a valid, valid, valid thing to understand that um, the part cannot know the whole and that there's no concept for the whole. It's something that's beyond the body-mind. That word beyond, you guys know how I love that word beyond. (laughs) And it's more than just altered states of consciousness. And I love the way you brought that that consciousness stuff up again, Lori, because it's beyond consciousness. The consciousness was the split. And that we have different levels of consciousness, being unconscious, subconscious, and, you know, that, that we're aware but not aware that we're aware you know i mean there's it's it's something that's very subtle and very very um um subtle and sublime and i need to be very quiet in order for the truth to come to me and 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 so quiet that and so empty-minded and so open-hearted and welcoming, welcoming, welcoming it. And, you know, that that awareness of that still capital presence is, is um, does it know the ego mind? doesn't know anything about it. It's like, <laughs> and it can, it's like, you know, the insanity versus the sanity that it speaks of in the Course. And it's it's all about relaxing and letting go. Just letting it go. Letting the ego be what it is, like a little pet. So I'm starting to look at Judith. <laughs> Judith, my little pet. <laughs> there she goes again. Thank you, Lamorne. That was a great share. Thank you, Judy. All right, well, I <laughs> my computer is literally on the blank, so I'm going to try and end the recording here with my phone. Thanks, you all, for being here.
Uh, those who read and listened and those who are in the future listening. Uh, have a wonderful day.